Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. By now you've probably heard podcasts are hot. What you might not have heard is that podcasts are also the hottest place to advertise. And only iHeart can bring the power of podcast advertising to you. Not only is iHeart the number one audio company in America, iHeart is also the number one podcast company with more listeners than anyone else. So make iHeart your podcast partner today. Just visit iHeartPodcast.com. That's iHeartPodcast.com. Because the next message you hear on this podcast should be yours. Billy Cunningham, the great American, joining me now is Jeff Capel. It was part of the effort to get certain things on the ballot in the past uh, so people can vote on them. And Jeff Capel, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. Thanks for having me. I said you off the air. This is a beautiful city to do talk radio in because there's always something going on. Now, tomorrow, according to the Inquirer, the, the county commissioners are going to vote to uh, continue the 0.25% five-year tax sales tax, which uh, renovated Music Hall. And they're going to vote to do that to pay county expenses. And you were part of the effort to get the original thing on the ballot to vote yay or nay. But what happened with that? Yeah, well, I did sign the petition last year to get it on the ballot. So the commissioners last year tried the same stunt. Uh, let's, they tried to raise the sales tax without voter input. Then a lot of people got together, put uh, tens of thousands, got tens of thousands of signatures, enough to get it on the ballot. Then at that point, the county commissioner said, well, we've changed our mind. We're just going to pull the whole thing. So now here we are a year later where they're essentially attempting the same stunt where they want to put it, uh, they want to impose a 0.25% sales tax hike. Citizens would have to go back out again to put it on the ballot. And it's um, basically what they're trying to do is piggyback it, piggyback off the, the union terminal tax increase that was passed about five years ago. Now that tax increase was a set five-year tax increase. It does expire next year. That literally can't be extended, but commissioners do retain the ability, of course, to raise the sales tax up to a certain point when they want to. So what they're going to do here is raise the sales tax to take effect on the same day that the the union terminal tax expires and then hope we don't really notice the difference. And the uh, motto will be no new taxes. It's simply a renewal, and that tends to work. All these 10 levies that pass on a regular basis, I always see signs, no new taxes. So unlike the previous time, and you're going to work hard to get this on the ballot. If it gets on the ballot, the campaign will be well-funded and will say no new taxes. Hard to overcome? Well, sure. What they'll do is, is they'll use, the phraseology they'll use is it won't raise your taxes. Technically, it's true, but it's a misleading argument because the union terminal tax by law expires after five years, which is early next year. And what they're doing here is raising the county portion of the sales tax from 0.5 to 0.75. So it is a tax increase. Uh, in that but way. no new taxes. Right. But the, the phraseology is it won't raise your taxes. <laughs> That's what they'll say. Well, let's talk about the county Bengals deal. I had Tom Gableman on 
last week. He's the lawyer for Hamilton County, and he made a big presentation. We had on John Cranley, had on Denise Treehouse, had all the people on, and everyone except one or two say this is a great deal for the county, that the taxpayer owes $30 million to the Bengals. Instead of the Bengals accepting $30 million, this is now being used to purchase the Hilltop property that will be leased to the Bengals 22 days a year. And they also say that three to $400 million in, quote, capital ex- uh, enhancements will be kicked down the road about five or six years as part of the extension of the Bengals lease. And Tom Gableman sat right there along with Denise Treehouse and said they're confident the Bengals will sign up for another 30-year lease to take us up to maybe 2066. What is your reaction? Well, there, I'd say the truth is in the middle on all this. As far as whether the recent deal is good for the county or not, it's a mixed bag. On the plus side, taxpayers will not have to pay $30 million of operating expenses to the Bengals. However, we're going to be paying about $30 million to acquire that hilltop property site, whose primary purpose is going to be used as what they call green tailgating, whatever that is, for eight days a year. So the, the monetary savings, uh, it's not, not entirely there. And then one, one negative to it that's not being talked about is hilltop is almost certainly paying taxes on that property right now and it's valuable property when the county takes ownership of it it's now we're not getting taxes out of it so we're, we're losing that much revenue um and it's really the usage of the property kind of concerns me too you got here you've got about 15 acres of prime real estate whose primary purpose is going to be so some Bengal fans can get drunk 10 times a year but we have 365 days a year so well, what about the music venue because that's also at a charitable deal CSO is going to own it, right? And they're going to be off the books, too, on the music venue. Yeah, and I have a real problem with that part of it. It's going to, the music venue is going to be owned by a nonprofit. So here we are again taking prime real estate land, letting a nonprofit or a government take ownership of it, and no taxes are coming in. One of the big selling points to the banks a couple decades ago was just how valuable that property was. But look what we've done with the banks. We've put the Bengals on there, which doesn't pay taxes. The Reds on there, which doesn't pay taxes. The Freedom Center, which doesn't pay taxes. Then there's going to be the drunk tailgating portion, which doesn't pay taxes, and a music venue, which doesn't pay taxes. So we're not getting anything close to the to the real prime value of this prime real estate. Some shakers and movers said to me, we had a vision for the banks going back 30 to 40 years of a big marina, maybe a few floating great restaurants, upscale housing, individuals paying one or two million dollars for a great looking place you go to bellevue and where tracy jones lives and it's right on the ohio river they're million dollar condos that pay huge property taxes none of that happened none of that occurred at all and then what right now we have some some nice restaurants and we have a whole bunch of other venues paying no taxes and now we have to go out and seek deals to make up for the whole of the poor planning your reaction. Right. The the promise of the banks has not been delivered as they promised it. What they said is if you just passed that stadium tax back in 1996. You were too young to remember this, weren't you? I was at Ohio State at the time and hadn't moved I was to, right to Cincinnati. Here. I was right here, and it was sold. I think maybe I opposed it with Matt Steinman, do you recall? I'm not sure my position on it, but it passed 60 to 40 because it was a major league city. You know, Los Angeles has lost both their teams. Uh, the Browns had just moved to Baltimore. They didn't have a team. And so we'd be a major league city. We had to make this investment and long term it was going to be $544 million for both stadiums. The city said let's move it like 200 yards to the west 
that created all this extra land. But by doing so, you also increased the cost by almost $100 million. And the bonds were thought to be 3% as far as the eye can see. Every year, the county would get 3% more revenue because of all the activity. And that didn't happen from day one. It doesn't happen today. And so the vision of the banks never happened. But here's the big question. We're now in this long-term lease, which is up in 2026. The Bengals can extend it for 10 years, two, five years. Yes. So 2036, it, whether we like it or not, they're here. And we're, they're owed by law about 250 to $400 million more. Isn't it nice of them to delay the collection of that money? If nice and the Bengals kind of go in the same sentence, you know, we can entertain that thought. What's really happening is – some people are trying to portray this $300 million deferment as some kind of savings to the taxpayer, but deferring capital enhancements is just deferring it. The only way that the taxpayers would even save this money is if somehow they were able to put off the decision day till past 2026, and then the Bengals abruptly just left town at that point when the lease expires in I'd 2026. I'd say that to the Treehouse. If that happens, we have bond payments till 2032. Yes. So we'd be making interest in bond payments for another six years, plus we'd have an empty stadium. That'd have to be at some point collapsed. That would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Well, the bond payments, they're a sunk cost. They're going to happen one way or another. Um, so I don't really look too much at that expenditure, and especially when you figure the stadium is 30 years old. Um, and nowadays, now even though, of course, stadiums can last forever, Ohio Stadium, which brings 100,000 Buckeye fans there every single time, was built, I think, in 1921. Uh, but nowadays, people keep t- talking about how stadiums are old once they hit 15 or 20 years. So the future of Paul Brown Stadium would be very much in flux either way as to whether we would continue putting a lot of money into that or whether the powers that be would declare that it's an old stadium, like they did with the Columbus Crew. It's not even 20 years old. Uh, and then demand that a new, a new stadium get built. It's kind of hard to project the future once you get more than a few years out. John Cranley says, Jeff Capel, that what we have to do is have a serious adult conversation with the Bengals. And that is, do you commit to the city and to the state and to the county to the year 2066? And if they say, yes, we will commit to be here from 2026, it's up in 2036, 30 years. If they commit to be here, then let's work it out. Do you find that acceptable? Well, like any deal, and especially like any stadium deal, we need to see what the deal would actually entail. If the Bengals said, we'll be happy to sign a new 30-year lease, if you give us a new $1 billion stadium or, or put a billion and a half into upgrading the old stadium, taxpayers have got to draw the line and say, we're just not going to continue doing hundreds of millions of dollars of stadium welfare. It is a terrible use of tax money. Now, if the Bengals were to come with something reasonable and say, we like this town, we want to stay here, We like Paul Brown Stadium. Can you just work with us to make sure it stays up to date and doesn't degrade? And we will pay for Capital X. We will pay the $300 million, and we're going to pay the upgrades. You just maintain the electrical, the plumbing, the concrete, the concourses. Make sure the building doesn't come. Make sure it's a first-class building, and we will handle everything else. Then that would make some sense, right? That would be a deal much more worth discussing. Again, you'd want to see the exact specifics of the deal. You'd want to look at, are the Bengals going to pay property taxes on this facility no, or not? No, not going to well, Yeah, that would be an issue with me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like every deal. You, you have to look at the deal itself and see if it makes sense and not just talk broadly about, well, do we want the Bengals to stay or not? Do we want Yes, them to we want them to stay, sure. Do you want the Bengals to stay? Quite honestly, I'm indifferent. I don't even care if they stay or not. I know it's not politically correct to say that, but 
the Bengals being here has not been a, a benefit to the city, uh, particularly under this stadium deal. So if we're simply going to continue doing what we've been doing the last 20 years, I would help them pack myself. Now, if they're interested in a fair deal and they want to be good citizens and they want to help the community by staying um, with a good deal, then that's a very different conversation, and I'd be much more open to that. That's something John Cranley says about their involvement. Normally, and I, I, when I talk to Tom Gableman, they agree to the GE, the Hype. They agree to the apartments, the Hype. They didn't object to the music center. In fact, they took the $30 million they could have put in their pocket, and they gave it, in a sense, to Hilltop to make it county property, which uh, they're going to keep revenues. He said 22 days, not 8 or 10, but 22. There's other events such as uh, summer camp and that kind of stuff. And the rest of the time, it would be the revenue would go to the county, which is a positive thing. But the big enchilada is that three to $400 million and the lease that requires the taxpayer to upgrade the stadium whenever 14 of the 32 teams have a capital expense then the, the taxpayer's got to give that to the Bengals. If that goes away and the taxpayer saves the $300 million, would you be in a state of shock? They oh, give I, up $300 million. Right. For, for the Bengals to do something that generous for the taxpayer, I'd probably have a heart attack. And so if that happens, that might change everything, if it happens. Right. And, of course, one of the, th- one of the reasons it's hard to predict the future is we don't know which of the ownership groups going to be alive in 2026 or 2036 when those 10-year options expire. Who's going to be alive in the Bengals' ownership group and what's their take on things going to be? Who's going to be county commissioners at the time and what's their take on things going to be? And I said to Denise Treehouse, even though that uh, Jeff Capels of the world cannot get this on the ballot for a vote, if a Democrat in this county, a purple, this isn't purple anymore, it's a deep blue county. If a Democrat puts that off the ballot and spends the money, there's going to be a Chris Seelbach or some other liberal social justice warrior running against you in the primary, and you're going to lose. So whatever deal you strike, it's got to be like community accepted. And that's hard to do in this climate when the Bengals lose so much money and the public image of the Bengals is encapsulated with Mike Brown sleeping in his private box in Baltimore. That's a difficult image to overcome going forward. And if the commissioners act tomorrow as they say they're going to do, you're going to work hard to put it on the ballot. And how many days do you have after it becomes legal? Normally you would have 30 days to referendum a commission action. Lawyers would have to check if there'd be a 45-day window here, given that this issue got dealt with last year. But So you're talking in that 30 to 45-day range. And you'd have to collect it. 37,000 signatures, something, valid signatures? That rings a bell. It's, it, it's going to be something around 30, 35,000 in, in that ballpark. Which, valid more, signatures. which about 1,000 valid signatures per day. Yeah. Is that, that possible? It, it's, it's difficult to do. You'd have to get a lot of motivated people to, to start quickly on it, uh, plus get some outside money to help bolster the effort as well. I don't know. I really wasn't heavily involved in the last one. Uh, Though I was involved in 2007 when they tried the whole jail tax thing, which we did successfully get on the ballot and then overturn. So I've done it before, just not within the past few years. Would you be motivated to do this? It's certainly possible. We'll we'll see what happens on Tuesday. Now, lastly, there's a big squabble going on between the city and FCC about these uh, 1,000 parking spot garages. And uh, the city is dragging its feet. They can't work with the county, et cetera. What's your take on that? At this point, that whole 1,000-space parking issue is really between the county and FC Cincinnati. What's happened is the county did pass a couple years ago a resolution which said they would 
put a thousand parking spaces to help with the stadium. Now, what where FC Cincinnati is misleading people is they're they're claiming that the county just outright said they were going to do it. However, if you read the resolution itself, the county never said that they were just going to send a welfare check or simply provide the parking garage. They said the parking garage has to make economic sense for them. It cannot lose money, and that's when including interest payments, capital upgrades, operations. The parking garage simply cannot lose money. The county also did not promise to share any of the revenues with the team, which makes sense. If the county's going to build the garage, they should be entitled to the revenue from it. So that's kind of – that's one point of dispute. And then the other one is FC Cincinnati's pretty insistent on they want a 1,000-space garage on site, whereas the county studies have shown that it does not make sense to do it that way. It would make more sense to do a 500-space garage on site and then just go a few blocks north to Finley Market and put a 500-person FCC doesn't there. like to hear that. They want the 1000 for their own because you can make a lot of money on game day selling those tickets. That's, that's what they want, and, and really their position doesn't even seem to make a lot of sense for me. Since they chose to locate in a dense urban environment, this is not a place where all the suburban soccer bros can just drive right up to the stadium, park in the lot, and walk 12 feet into the stadium. Most fans, one way or another, are going to have to park pretty far away from the stadium and then walk or transit themselves to the stadium. So putting 500 of, the, of those spaces two or three blocks north is not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, and it's a significantly shorter walk than most of these fans are going to have to make regardless. And if it's not built, what happens? They have to open up in March of, uh, of 2021, which is, what, about uh, eight, 17 months away, and the parking garage, I'm told, takes at least a year, year and a half to put together. What happens? Sure, time is ticking. The options are, hey, FC Cincinnati, their billionaire owners could decide to build the thing themselves if they think it is just so stinking profitable. They can always build it themselves and make, make all the money that they think it's going to make. Or it's just going to be that many more fans are going to have to park elsewhere around the city and walk themselves or transit themselves on in. Aren't we blessed to live in this community? Yeah, it's, I mean, we were talk talking radio before. business. This is wonderful. It's just a shame that we spend so much of our money on things like stadiums and streetcars rather than solid economic development or actual services that benefit the taxpayer. And the streetcar is $400 million. If you break down the Amy Murray cost, about $160 million to acquire. The interest payments on that makes it about $280 million. Then you buy the streetcars on top of that, and then you handle the maintenance, and then you handle the replacement of equipment. It's $400 million for streetcars that are not occupied at any relevant time. It's been occupied the last four days, but it's been free. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, and the same thing with, I, I could make the same economic argument with both the stadiums and the streetcars. People can talk about, well, you know, there, there could be some economic growth attached to both of those, but at what scale? Um, if, if it's just a few new jobs here and there, that's not worth hundreds of millions of dollars of expenditures. Um, and certainly on the streetcars haven't really been studied as much as stadiums, but when you look at what sports economists have studied for the past 35 years, the only thing you can get economists to agree on is that stadiums do not produce a net amount of new jobs, revenues, or economic growth. Yet we continue spending hundreds of millions of dollars on these things, despite the fact that they don't work. But Jeff Capel, we're a major league city now. We're a major league city with the Bengals. What's so funny about that argument is that's what they told us back why we needed to pass this in 1996. And then, so now fast forward 20-something years, what was their argument to needing to pass the FC Cincinnati deal? They said, well, it'll make us a major league city. Well, if that's the case, what the heck have we been spending a billion dollars plus on for the first birding house stadium tax? I thought that was supposed to make us a major league city. 
Jeff Capel, you'll be busy the next few weeks. It could happen. Appreciate you having me. 226, Bill Cunningham, News Radio 700, WLW. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.